Hello and welcome back to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host Leo, and this week we are talking Marvel Spider-Man, also known as PS4 Spider-Man. This is a game that I have played many times, and specifically on this channel, I just finished doing a series of live streams for it. It's a series of four, but still t technically counts as a series. It was also a split series, but we'll not really talk about that. <laughs> well, actually we will, as it's technically kind of part of the, the my history with it thing. So I didn't play the game until way after it came out, and when I was initially playing it on PS4, it had a bunch of bugs and issues, and we'll probably talk about that a bit when it comes to like graphics and gameplay experience and whatnot down the line. It didn't initially pique my interest all that much because, well, I was a little bit apprehensive at first. Because, you know, they, they've tried to make a lot of Spider-Man games, and not all the time does it work out very well. For example, you know, after the, the absolute classic that was Spider-Man 2 way back on, like, the PS2 and the GameCube and whatnot, a lot of games had trouble reaching that peak, or at least not... They had a lot of trouble hitting a lot of the same beats and getting as much acclaim as that game was able to get. But this game, for all intents and purposes, seems to be able to do that. It had the kind of realistic swinging that people were hoping for. It wasn't quite as refined as the original games, but... It was at least trying to do something similar. And, you know, the swinging was good. And that's the main thing I wanted from a Spider-Man game. Then it was also like, oh, you know, it's like Batman combat, so there's that. And I like the Batman combat. It still took me a while to actually get the game and play it. But once I did, I enjoyed it. I liked it, and I played through the entire thing, and I platinumed it. Th though, I did avoid the DLC. Because the DLC didn't seem to really piqued my interest at the time, and I didn't really have means to to buy the, the DLC at the time. So I was just like, I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it sometime down the line. Well, that sometime came when Spider-Man Miles Morales came out. It came packaged with the Spider-Man Remastered, which had all the DLC included. And since I platinumed the PS4 version, I figured I need to platinum the PS5 version. So I went through, played through the PS5 version, platinumed it, and then I played through the DLC. And I found the DLC story to be okay. Again, we'll discuss it more when, when we actually get through like the story portion. But yeah, overall, I found it fine. But I really enjoyed Miles, uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. And then recently, Spider-Man 2 came out. And I figured, you know what? Before Spider-Man 2 comes out... I should stream Spider-Man 1 and Miles Morales in preparation. And then initially I was planning on streaming Spider-Man 2 along with, like, once it came out, you know, it was going to be like my first experience with Spider-Man 2, etc. Huzzah and whatnot. But that did not happen at all. Because just as I was beginning the Spider-Man streams, I was able to do two of them when I ended up getting a job that took me, well, away from home for... A period of about a month in October. And that was leading up straight to Spider-Man 2. So, my plan was, while I was working, I would take my PS5 with me. And in the hotel, while I was working, or, you know, after I was done working for the day and I was resting in the hotel, I'd do my live streams from the hotel. Because the hotel came with free internet, a TV. So, I was like, this should be fine. It was not fine. The first stream I attempted, using the Wi-Fi... Like, failed spectacularly. Yeah, the stream, 
my PS5 was telling me that the stream was fine, but on my phone it was freezing up and wasn't really going. And I thought, oh, maybe it's just my phone, you know, too many devices kind of thing. Once I ended the stream and went to look at the playback, it was only about 15 minutes, something like that long, before the stream just straight up died. And I was devastated because I had played about an hour's worth of the game. So I was like, okay, think of backup plans. What, what could I do for a backup plan? My first backup plan was, well, maybe it's that the Wi-Fi was weak. The Wi-Fi is too weak, so I'll I'll get an Ethernet cable and I'll connect it to the Ethernet port that is on the other side of the room. But if I get a long enough one, it'll be fine. So I went to Walmart the next day after work and I got the longest Ethernet cable that they had. And it just made it to the PS5. But when I went to stream this time, it pretty much just didn't work flat out. Luckily, this time I didn't play all that much, so I was fine. I was like, okay, what else could I theoretically do? Well, the answer was try and record it. Now, I didn't have my capture card with me or anything like that, so I couldn't like connect it to my laptop, which even then my laptop's like kind of garbage, so it probably wouldn't have worked very, very well anyway. But something I could do would be to pre-record it using my PS5. So hook everything into the PS5, record it through the built-in recording software, and then take a USB, copy it over to the USB, and then put it into the computer. Well, that sort of worked, kind of, but also not really. Because after the first 40-minute recording, the game stopped recording. Period. Uh, it started giving me a warning and whatnot, and then I was like, okay, I'll stop, and then I'll start again. But it just kept warning me, and it failed. So I ended up losing about another hour and a half to two hours of progress. So I had to come to the sad conclusion that I'm going, I was going to have to restart everything. So before I could continue actually doing the streams when I finally did come back home, I would have to restart the game, get back to where I was, and then once I finally caught back up, I'd be able to continue the streams. And yeah, <laughs> it took... It took me a lot of time to get over the general kind of depression that that had, because pretty much all of my streaming plans that I had were gone like that. It, oof, it sucked. <laughs> but, but we move on, and we continue. Uh, this past week, I streamed it two more times and finished the game after I had caught back up, and everything so far, so good. <laughs> the next game I'll be streaming will be Mafia, finishing it off finally, and then we will we'll be smoothly trying to do some Dark Souls and maybe streaming Final Fantasy VII Remake in preparation for Rebirth. So yeah, exciting times. We'll see what happens there. But with that out of the way, what's up with Spider-Man? What's going on? The story. We are following a kind of veteran Spider-Man who has been doing this for at least five years. He has fought and bagged many a villain. Uh, the main ones that he has bagged to date are the Vulture, the Shocker, Electro, the Lizard. He, he has at least fought at some point. He has also fought Sandman. Who else was there? I have the main three. Who else? Is, oh, Rhino and Scorpion. Yeah, so those are kind of the big five. And he, when we meet him, has also been trying his damnedest to take down Fisk. But as you might know, 
of the character. Fisk is a bit of a tricky nut to crack because he, one, bribes the police constantly. He is just a really good criminal and general businessman and whatnot. We follow him as he's getting the news that it's time to take down Fisk. The police have set up their operation. They're going to take him in, but they're running into some issues, obviously, as he has holed himself up in Fisk Tower, so Spider-Man must come to break him out. You get interrupted along the way, trying to solve some minor issues with Fisk goons attacking police. That's used mostly as a tutorial. In fact, this entire section is used as a tutorial. But as a broader thing, technically the entire game is used as a tutorial. And the tutorials are unskippable. It's very annoying. But what are we going to do? You can't do anything. You have to skip. You, you can't skip them. You have to just do them. But, nah. Anywho, you work your way through. You get to Fisk Tower. You go up. You find out that some of the police were that are going to take him down are obviously on the take. You fight them. You fight Fisk. And you take Fisk down. But Fisk, as he's you know, being hauled away, gives a warning that because of him going away, someone much worse will almost certainly come to try to fill the void. He's been keeping entities at bay, and with him gone, they will all come crashing in to take up the void of power. And with that, you know, ominous undertones set, we move on. So we follow Pete as he's starting to kind of get back into the swing of his daily life. His job, his lack of girlfriend, because him and MJ at this point have broken up, and generally fighting some crimes. You know, uh, th this is where a lot of the tutorial stuff comes in. Uh, there's the towers that you're supposed to get. There's the, you know, a lot of the side quests and collectibles and whatnot. This is where they're introduced. Then there, there starts to be some rumblings after we are introduced to Peter's job, his job being he's a, he's a scientist. He's working with Dr. Octavius on like a prosthetic um, bionic limb system with hopes of like helping veterans or whoever needs them to get not, you know, it's not a perfect replacement, but it's close enough kind of thing that pro proper robotic arm kind of thing. But, you know, they're running into some funding issues and... Norman Osborn, who in this universe is the mayor of New York, has cut funding. Cut the funding and is pretty much trying to take everything away. As this is going on, there are some rumblings of new people emerging. The demons. And there's also... Because, you know, there's... Mary Jane is, like, trying to do some investigative journalism. Um, and she goes to investigate an auction... Not an auction. No, it, it is an auction. It's an auction slash museum thing. I think all the pieces are up for auction, and the stuff is supposed to go to charity and whatnot. It's like an estate sale, because Fisk was captured. Yay. Yeah, it's going through Fisk's collection, and she ends up finding the files for Devil's Breath, and this is where the, the demons are introduced. And the demons are this new group, that appear out of nowhere and they seem to have some like powers being used, but it's kind of hard to pin down, at least at this point in the game. So as you're going through investigating the demons and devil's breath and whatnot, we learn kind of where the stuff comes from. It came from Oscorp. It was meant to be a cure. 
potentially for all diseases. The positives are that it has consistent results, but those results are that it kills everything all the time in its current form. And it could be used to cause a plague. And that's where we end up learning that the demon's plan is to well, release that. But first, before that, they bomb a, a campaign rally slash um, award ceremony for, for Norman Osborn. Now, at this rally is Officer Jefferson Davis. Officer Jefferson Davis met Spider-Man trying to investigate some of the the demons movements and ended up actually helping Spider-Man save a train and whatnot slash a truck. But anyway, he, he is getting rewarded for helping this uh, bust of some of the demons when it gets attacked by the demons and an explosion goes off and he tries to shield everyone else from the explosion with himself, but it still causes massive damage. Oh, and uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but Jefferson Davis is the father of Miles Morales, etc. In fact, this is the point, I think the first point where we play as Miles, as we follow him through the the attack site, trying to find his dad. But yeah, so that's kind of where we start playing as Miles. Because it is nice that this game does have multiple like perspectives. You play as Peter most of the time, but you also play as Mary Jane and Miles during certain, mostly stealth sections in the games. But it is nice that they each have some different uh, mechanics that we will discuss more in the gameplay section. So after that, there's more looking into like the, the stuff, and it kind of culminates in, after, you know, Peter has an argument with Mary Jane, and because while they're slowly trying to rebuild their relationship and make it a bit more of an equal partnership, even like in his crime fighting and whatnot, it's very unstable, and their definition of you know, what they were doing becomes different. Around this time is also when Sable comes in and starts poking around. And that's kind of where they have their big big falling out is because Mary Jane, after after Peter goes to talk to the CFO of Oscorp um, and saves him from the, the demons, he is carted away by Sable, kept in their uh, Central Park base. Mary Jane breaks into that base, ends up... Peter comes across while she is being held at gunpoint by who he assumes is a Sable person. It turns out is the person that she went in to talk to. And he starts mentioning something about Central Park. Not Central Park, uh, Grand Central Terminal. Pete, like, knocks him out accidentally. And, yeah, so she gets very mad about that. But, yeah, so, like I said, it culminates in the uh, Grand Central Terminal pretty much hostage situation. Lee, who is Mr. Negative, the leader of the demons, is holding the people hostage to get Norman Osborn to him. And he's using Devil's Breath as kind of his, his um well, choice piece of kit. Pete comes in after Mary Jane sends an SOS to him. He comes in, and it's a very fun sequence where you're playing as Mary Jane, and you can have um, Spider-Man, like, take enemies out. But you work your way through, disarm the bomb, and then you switch over to Spider-Man. You switch over to Spider-Man and clear a path so that the hostages can escape. Then you fight your way through, have a fight with Lee, and take him down. And that's the end of 
Act 2. After that, you move in and are trying to, you know, move on. But you notice that things are becoming a bit unstable with um, Dr. Octavius. You know, throughout the game, you notice his his general deterioration. Or deterioration? He's slowly becoming more and more unstable. And you learn of his degenerative disease that he says attacks the muscle primarily. So his body slowly becomes useless as his mind is, you know, wanting to do more. And he feels that through the prosthetics that they've been developing, they could, you know, he help him out. Give him a way to continue his work, even if his body is completely nothing. He is able to get things working and whatnot, but he's a little bit too much of in too much of a rush to make progress happen you know ends up making mistakes but he as he's going he's forcing like more personal trials and whatnot that are extremely dangerous and ends up ignoring peter's warning about you know not not doing it until they've ironed out all of the bugs that takes us into the act two into three transition where there's been an issue one the devil's breath canister has been stolen. Two, there is a riot happening at Riker's prison. So, you and uh, Officer Yuri, who has been nebulously around throughout the game, go to Riker's Island, you fight your way through, but oops, while you've been busy taking care of stuff happening at Riker's, there seems to be a break-in happening at break-in slash break-out of the neighboring prison the raft. So you have Rikers, which is for normal criminals, and then you have the raft. You have Rikers, which is for normal criminals, and then you have the raft, which is for super-powered individuals. And yeah, when when you go in there, they, they really populate the place with a bunch of just generic guys that just have some form of superpower. You know, not any kind of actual named villains. But as you're going through, Electro's broken out, and he has a new suit. The Rhino's broken out, the Vulture's broken out, and Mr. Negative's broken out, and the Scorpion's broken out. So all of these guys have escaped, and now you you have to figure, you, you try to fight them and whatnot, and then you find out that the person that broke them out is Dr. Octavius. He gives Spider-Man a warning, saying, hey, this is your first and final warning, stay out of our way. Chucks Spider-Man into the river, and then leaves. So from this point on, you kind of have to, you start running around trying to stop the situations going on. There's an attack happening around the precincts around the city. So you have to go stop, I think, two of those. One where Electro's starting something and one where the Rhino's starting something. You go around and stop those. Then you have to, you know, take out the rocket launchers and whatnot. All while also fighting Sable who have blamed you, well, technically, Mayor Osborne has blamed you for the the prison break, so you n you now must fight Sable as well. So, that's a fun thing. But you're able to help out the precincts, then it goes into, you're trying to discover where Devil's Breath was released from, and find Oc uh, Dr. Octavius' kind of lair. You're able to find it, you see how he convinced all of these villains to side with him. Basically, each of these villains has a problem, and Dr. Octavius has given them a path towards their solutions. 
So you have the vulture has cancer. His original wingsuit had given him spinal cancer, so he was able to fly, but now he's dying. Dr. Octavius has developed an experimental surgery to potentially cure him of said cancer. Electro, Electro wants to become pure energy, and Dr. Octavius has developed a potential way to get him as close to that goal as to be pretty much indistinct from the actual goal. Then the rhino, classic rhino thing, he's trapped in his rhino suit, and Dr. Octavius has developed a solvent to pretty much help dissolve the suit off of him. Scorpion is in massive debt. So from what I was able to pick up from the game, he just took out a bunch of loans to help get him out of debt, essentially. And then Mr. Negative pretty much just gives him the chance to wreak revenge on Norman Osborn. So that's kind of what he offers the Sinister Six. And he is, of course, the sixth one who also wants revenge on Norman Osborn, but also wants to be able to do his job, essentially. You know, science stuff. Anyhow, so after that, you escape an explosion because this entire place is a trap. Uh, Dr. Octavius set it up in order to trap Spider-Man and pretty much... He made up a potential thing that Lee was going to use to storm storm Norman's tower to get the cure for um, Devil's Breath. Because Dr. Octopus had actually released Devil's Breath, I forgot to mention. He released it, and now there's a pandemic, as well as a bunch of criminals running around. What fun. But, yeah, so you, you escape the explosion and are immediately picked up by Vulture, which technically you should have been able to see coming because... That's, like, on the map that you look at, it shows that the vulture is supposed to be in Times Square, which is where you're at. You're, like, he, like, Pete says, oh, I, I have to, you know, keep my eye out and be careful. Because he's escaping an explosion, he immediately gets picked up by the vulture and taken over to, to fight Electro. So you fight Electro and the vulture at the same time. Take one down, take the other down. Done. Then you go to investigate where the scorpion was supposed to be. He's supposed to be poisoning the water supply, like a classic, like, comic book villain thing, poisoning the water supply. So, you run over to the little reservoir in Central Park, and th but th there's no scorpion. Where is he? Oop, he's behind you, and he stabs you. So, now you've been poisoned. You must develop a cure. Well, high off your ass. So... You go swinging through this illusionary world to try and get the ingredients. You, you know, it, it's it's a very trippy sequence. You fight off some dream scorpions, and then afterwards, it switches over to playing as Miles for a minute because Miles is off trying to get some antibiotics because they've been just burning through them. And in order to do so, you must go through a stealth section. There's a bunch of criminals around this station. So you have to stealth around looking for the antibiotics. But, oop, there's the rhino. So you must stealth away from the rhino. Once you escape, you switch over to Spider-Man. And you fight the rhino and Scorpion at the same time. After you've done that, you've got two down, two... Sorry, you have four down, two to go. You only have Lee... And Dr. Octopus to take care of. So to do this, you have to go to Oscorp Tower. You take on Lee as he's trying to get the cure, the antidote, the anti-serum. And you fight him. You beat him. Like, you learn his backstory. His backstory is that as a kid, 
he had, I believe, the same degenerative disease as Dr. Octopus. <laughs> and the same, it's the same disease that I think Dr. Octopus has that, um, like, a lot of people have in this game series. <laughs> Dr. Octopus has, um, Harry's mom has, uh, Harry has, is as we come to learn. We had to do a stealth section as MJ going through Norman's penthouse where she gets a taser finally and tastes some motherfuckers it's great it's a, probably one of my favorite sections of the game is just stealthing around tasing people but anywho you go around and you do that you find where it is and yeah so there's so many people with this degenerative disease and the experiments that they did on him were supposed to be to find a cure and I believe technically he was cured, but he ended up with like superpowers and he's resented Norman ever since. And he's been having more outbursts freak, uh, recently and so goes to attack Norman. But you stop him and you you get the serum, but then uh, Dr. Octavius comes in, takes the serum, beats up Spider-Man, and then leaves. Oh, kidnaps Norman, then leaves. Then you go into the final conflict where you fight Dr. Octopus. You fight him. Now, this is after... So, after Pete got beat up, he was taken to feast, treated, told to rest, but, you know, he, he has business to do. Goes to see Aunt May, sees that she's been infected with the devil's breath and she's just been fighting through it, but she has mere moments to live, pretty much. So, Pete goes out, builds a new suit, goes to fight Dr. Octavius. Also, semi-meanwhile, uh, a spider from Norman's personal lab that we went to investigate with Mary Jane uh, stowed away on Mary Jane, fell off, ended up on a box, bit Miles. Anyway, we fight Dr. Octavius. It's an okay fight. You pretty much had to keep swinging and webbing him, and then you beat the shit out of him, uh, rinse and repeat, <laughs> until he starts doing some other stuff. Then you have to throw some stuff at him, beat him up, wait for him to climb the antenna, beat him up. Then you end up on the side of a building, beat him up, and then you win. There's a sad thing where Peter says, hey, fine, you know, if you don't want me to save you, save yourself. But at the same time, like, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you get the help that you need. Just, you need to go to prison for this. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, in the end, Aunt May ends up dying. Well, Peter has a chance to potentially cure her, even though it technically has... It had a very slim chance of actually wor working because she was so close to death. Like, the damage would probably have already been done. But um, it turns out that she knew for a long time. Um, and supposedly, Dr. Octavius also knew for quite a while. And that's what really pissed Peter off, is that, that he knew that Peter was Spider-Man, and yet he still did all of this and then the game ends um peter and mj are together again miles shows that he has powers and then a tease for the second game where we see that in this norman's personal lab is harry and he's like very obviously with the symbiote and hints towards venom and there we go that's the game what a game so, overall, I, I like the story decently. I mean, it can be quite depressing at times, especially when you see just how many people get straight up murdered at times. Like, the game 
kind of brushes it off, but if you sit there and think about it for a bit, you're, just, you're like, damn, they really just straight up murdered that person. Is that person just fucking dead? Probably. Damn. <laughs> like, random NPC. Fucking dead. And I'm like, shit. Wow. Something I will say as a thing that, that uh, flies constantly throughout this series, but wow, they they keep pulling it. It's one of my biggest pet peeves when I'm reading something where they keep throwing up fucking death flags left, right, and center, and then almost die, but almost, but never actually die. It, it gets a bit annoying. Because like, oh, oh, eh, are they going to die? The, the, the worst example that I had of this was the Aftermath books by Chuck Wendig, where the main character's mom is pretty much throwing up flags that she's going to die, and in fact, for a few like pages at least in each book, or at least a couple of books, it seems that she has died. And then she just comes back, and she's like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Turns out this TIE fighter, the things that don't have ejector seats, had an ejector seat. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was a bit annoying. Like, at least with, say, the the newest Godzilla movie, Godzilla Minus One, like, they're heavily, like, they say, they pretty much use the same thing where they're like, hey, there's no ejector seats in the planes. They obviously didn't care about the, the people. But this experimental plane that never actually took off or anything, it has an ejector seat, it turns out. And while it's kind of used as a, whoa, thing, it's like, yeah, I mean, there's a good chance that at least during the trials, you know, good test pilots are kind of hard to come by. You're going to want to have an ejector seat in it, at, the, at least during the testing stages. But even then, they might have had a slight change of heart for some of these planes. Who knows? But with the book, he was like, hey, th this thing, this thing does does not have ejector seats. But the one that she she was flying did for some reason. It was annoying. Anyway, that might sound like a bit of a random tangent. But in all three Spider-Man games, Peter Parker is throwing them fucking flags around left, right, and center. See, going into these games, especially when they introduced Miles... I was, you know, burdened slightly with the the knowledge that in the Ultimate Universe, in the comics, the one where Miles kind of originated from, Peter Parker dies. Uh, you you might also know this from, like, the, the Into the Spider-Verse movie, where that universe's Peter Parker dies. That's just what kind of ends up happening. So, you know, you're, you're kind of expecting it to go that way in these games, and I think that the game designers, or at least the like writers or whatnot, kind of were using that knowledge and slight expectation to purposely try to subvert your expectations. So, in this game specifically, its version of it is during the the um, attack scene, the attack on the man words. <laughs> The attack on the Norman rally. The Norman Osborne rally. Pete is in the audience, because he said that he was going to attend it with Mary Jane, so he gets there in time, and is just Pete on the ground, and when the bomb goes off, he gets knocked the fuck out. And you can see, and then we immediately switch to playing as Miles. So you kind of go like, oh shit, like, did, did Peter die? 
and then you go playing as Miles for the level, but then, no, Pete's fine. Okay. So, there's that. The other death flags come in the other games, and we'll talk about them when those games come up in the show. They'll come up probably by the end of the year. <laughs> Fingers crossed, is the hope. Because first, stream-wise, I need to play the DLC, which I'll be doing soon. I plan on replaying Spider-Man PS4 again, because, but specifically the PS4 version to get caught up on the trophies for the Ultimate and New Game Plus trophies, like I did for this past thing. And then I'll play those versions of the DLC story, which we will get to in in a minute. <laughs> but yeah, so th th that's one of the annoying things of the main story, is that. It gets worse as the games go on, but in this one, you're like, ah, and then you're like, okay, that's fine. And then you move on. Uh, Pete and MJ's relationship is a bit frustrating at times in the game. It's fine overall. But a lot of it is, you know, MJ does something incredibly fucking dangerous. Um, and Pete's like, hey, please stop doing extremely stupid and dangerous things. And she's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and he's like, why do you do this? And then she gets extremely mad about it. Now, her reasoning for this is she does not like being the one... She doesn't like constantly being the one to be saved. She wants to, you know, sometimes do the saving. And it's like, yeah, that's understandable. And it does suck to constantly be the person, you know, that doesn't have superpowers. But at the same time, you do... Like, the one situation was a misunderstanding. All he could see was guy pointing gun at her and you know had to make a bit of a leap of logic there you know it's kind of understandable to say hey i see silhouette pointing gun at silhouette not pointing gun i must go interfere but yeah it and again pete technically has every right to be worried for her because she goes into a lot of these situations completely unarmed with no way to properly defend herself against some people who are literally bulletproof except for pure stealth like eventually she gets like lures but that's minor and then eventually she does get the stun gun which makes things so much more fun and <laughs> then that's it but yeah so like she she's not willing to meet him halfway in the understanding that yeah technically the things she does are incredibly dumb and dangerous and he would very obviously not want to see the person he loves murdered because she accidentally took a misstep and take for example all of the times where in these games you're playing as mary jane and you do fuck up you step on a bit of glass and a guy turns around and just shoots her like Technically, in that universe, she died. And then something that I, I'm also kind of confused about is this game technically tries to wrap up a lot of the loose ends nice and neat with a nice little bow because Mary Jane, you know, a lot of the stuff that she's doing is for investigative reporting. And in, th in the very end, she gets a promotion. 
she becomes like the assistant editor or some something like that. So, you know, she's a pretty high and fairly respectable position wherever she was working. I, I can't fucking remember. <laughs> it's not for the bugle in this game. It's like I think for like an actual like news agency kind of thing. And pot, potentially for the ba- for the bugle, I I can't remember. <laughs> but she she ends up you know in a, in a really nice position. Then in the Miles Morales game, they fuck off and then she's just extremely devastated and sad when she comes back in the second game. So again, things that we'll talk about in the future, but yeah. <laughs> they they were like, yeah, Mary Jane's happy now. And then they're like, nah, nah she's fucking sad. Yeah. Then Miles' story is very minor in this in this game. I mean, it's technically his origin, of course. But we don't get a whole lot of him. Like, we first see him in the lead-up to the, the attack mission, the... The attack on the rally mission. We see him there. And then we play as him during the mission. And then we come back to him on his way to feast. After after um, an encounter with Spider-Man. Then nothing until we see him again. Getting the meds. And well he, he talks with... Spider-Man and Mary Jane for a bit, fanboying a little bit while Pete's running around and then he goes to get medicine and then he's yeah, then he gets bit by a spider and is MIA for the, pretty much until we see him again at the, the very end. So, yeah. Not, not a whole lot. We do follow him through parts of his recovery but we don't get to fully see his like absolute fucking devastation at the loss of his dad much which is okay but it becomes a stronger thing in the sequel in fact we don't really hear much about it in Miles Morales either but again yeah we will continue talking about it down the line so let's talk the DLC real quick we're not going to talk about it much because I've only played the DLC once I'll be playing it again on stream Probably in a month or two after I've kind of cooled down from playing Spider-Man Remastered on Ultimate Difficulty and then ramp up to play it on Ultimate Difficulty again to get those like two annoying trophies for that before we go into into the, the thing proper and start playing the DLC. Technically for the first time on that version of the game. But the DLC is The City That Never Sleeps. Where you are following some of the seedy underground and goings-on there within. So the, the, the main... So it's an overarching plot as you're trying to figure out what's kind of going on with these characters who are... You know, usually dealing with, like, the underground. So you... Or the, the underworld, sorry. The, the mafia and whatnot. And it's focusing a lot around the crimes that are done by the the Magia crime family and whatnot. And each DLC, because it was the the city that never sleeps, is a collection of three DLC that um, 
that each kind of introduced their own little bundles of content. So one of the big things that's introduced in this is the screwball missions, which are like the Taskmaster missions, but annoying because I'm not a big fan of the character Screwball, to be honest. And the missions that specifically revolve around that aren't all that great, and it kind of ends a bit flat. It's it's meh. But each DLC introduces more Screwball missions. And of course, everything kind of comes to a head in the third one. Uh, each one is has its own name. Yeah, there's the Heist, Turf Wars, and Silver Lining. And each one kind of revolves around a specific chunklet of story. One being... Um, the first one revolving around Black Cat, who's trying to... Yeah, so it revolves around Black Cat, who's trying to steal a bunch of USB drives. And one of them is part of Hammerhead, or I believe he's the head of the Magia family. Um, and he betrays, or sorry, she betrays him and Spider-Man in order to get the drive. Uh, and that, that's pretty much the the small bit there. And there, there's a there's a whole thing with her claiming to have a son, and it may or may not be Peter's question mark. But she's lying just to 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 kind of pull Pete along and try to get him to to help. In Turf War, this one is kind of following more uh, Yuri, as you're trying to help her out. With, uh, so, you know, help her out on trying to take down the Magia crime family. But it slowly but surely becomes a bit more of a, a, a vendetta project for Yuri. And she goes, she, she's starting to take more and more risks as things go on. Especially after the Magia end up killing one of the people that she was kind of close to um who had like a family and whatnot and she she goes to take take revenge and kind of disappears then we have silver lining where we have silver sable or silver sablova i think her name is sablanova is <laughs> she's the leader of that the core and this is like continuing to hunt down Hammerhead and the the Magia crime family. Uh, he ends up in a fucking mech suit, and you fight him in said mech suit. Um, <laughs> and and uh, you, you take him down. It it's a very silly thing. You fight him on a he he's in a mech suit, and then you fight him on a boat. It, it, it's a very silly thing. But yeah. The story's okay. It kind of sets up some more stuff for Yuri and whatnot. But she kind of leaves. She, she exits the story. And then we don't see her again until Spider-Man 2. And specifically if you only do some like side missions too. Uh, keep, keep that in mind. Because <laughs> literally... I didn't see her in the main story of the game at all. It's when I did one side mission that was kind of 
it was, I was like, eh, it's a bit close, so I'll go do this first. And I went to do it, and I was like, oh, wow, Yuri. And then she, like, calls me later and is like, hey, we could continue working to take out take down these people together. But I never continued that side quest uh, as of yet, so I have no clue where the fuck that goes. <laughs> yeah, overall, and the DLC story was fine. I know that uh, Miles Morales was originally going to be another DLC set, but they were like, eh, well, let's just make this a full game. Well, quote-unquote, full game. It's smaller, but it still counts, technically. Uh, but yeah, it it good. <laughs> it's alright. Um, I have my issues with it. Like, the fact that... I, I get why it's broken up like that, because they were released as three separate DLC, and the little content pack bits, it just gives you more busy work, and to get all of the trophies and whatnot... It's just a bit tedious, to be honest. Because it pretty much takes the issues I have with the main game and condenses it. Because the main game, as you're playing it, it's fine. You know, especially when you're not rushing through the game like I tend to do. The constant adding of more stuff to do gets a little bit annoying, personally. Because... You know, especially at the beginning of the game, it's just throwing more things at you. It's like, hey, go fucking get this backpack. Now you can collect all these backpacks. Hey, there's these towers that you need to activate. Go activate the towers. Hey, by the way, there's also like a billion crimes that you need to solve. So do that. And also, guess what? You, In order to unlock everything, you technically have to get perfects on like most, if not all of them, in order to get all the tokens you need. Oh, also, by the way, there's um, this over here you need to get, and then there's that over here you need to get. And some of the collectibles aren't unlocked until you do some side quests. So it's it gets a little bit annoying at times. It's not the worst, but it gets a bit annoying. But then take that issue and condense it down into happening three times, because each DLC has to be like, okay... Go do the first of the screwball missions so that you can go do a few of those around in this DLC. Go do some of the Magia family crimes so that, um, you, or do the first of this so that you can be introduced to this again. And so it, it's, you know, missions are taken up by reintroducing these things and it gets a bit annoying. Yeah, so now we can start talking about uh, things like gameplay and stuff. Ain't that fun. We already talked a little bit about the whole like condensing thing, so I won't go much into that, but let's talk rushing. So, all of the Spider-Man games, I believe, have this issue, where it is very difficult to properly rush through the game. So, when I had to start or restart the playthrough for this to get caught back up to where I was in the live streams I kept trying to rush and the problem with these games are that what scenes are and aren't skippable is very inconsistent a scene that you might think is skippable won't be and then based off of that you might think okay so a scene like this is not skippable but then like 10 minutes later you'll go to try to skip that scene and you can you can skip it so it's very inconsistent on what you can skip uh, how you can skip and when you can skip so it's 
it's rough. But, yeah, it's an issue that happened in this game. It happened in Miles Morales. Because in Miles Morales, the ultimate difficulty and New Game Plus were built into the trophies. It doesn't seem to be the case for Spider-Man 2, so... I might rush to get the platinum before they get introduced, but I'll eventually have to go back and and do them because you know they'll they're they're planning on adding them around February, something like that. So probably by the time I get around to it, it Ultimate and New Game Plus will be added, and trophies associated with that will also probably be added. What fun! <laughs> but anywho, yeah, rushing through the game is not easy because of that so what would have probably saved me like a good at least half an hour probably uh didn't because i I wasn't able to properly skip and yeah so combat challenges like fastly restarting those can also be a little bit annoying in this game at least i think it might get a little bit better down the line but it, it does get a bit rough on trying to restart them. Because sometimes, in order to restart faster, it's easier to just fail. Like, properly fail. You can't just pause, restart. No, you have to, like, pause, um, reset checkpoint, and then continue. Or you'll have to... I don't know, it, it's it's weird. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. The combat, the combat's pretty good. I quite enjoy... Uh, fighting and whatnot, though sometimes I do forget that I have gadgets that I can use, or it gets a little bit annoying when I go to check my gadgets and they're fucking empty. <laughs> because, like, you know, regaining them isn't exactly super easy for some reason. You get them usually by doing neat things in combat, so, like, using the environment to, to take someone down, or doing stealth takedowns, or uh, defeating a guy good. Or sometimes you also get them from doing the dodges. It, it, like, how you get the gadgets and why can be a bit confusing sometimes. And you do have a suit power, because there's a variety of suit powers that you can um, do. The one I started favoring by the end of the game was the charging focus suit power because the charging focus is it starts building up your focus super fast and it makes it to where you can heal more because in spider-man one uh you get like i think through skills you get three focus bars something like that and then you can use each one to to heal you can use a full one to heal or you can even use a partial one to heal if you're desperate. So using that suit power really helped. But the final one you get, um, specifically in the story, is the Antioch suit. And that suit comes with the recharging of uh, gadgets. So that one, it's primarily to make sure that you're getting a bunch of web shoots in. To, to to get uh, Doc Ock down faster. So that's what that suit power is primarily intended for. But yeah, so focus... I almost never use it for takedowns. 
unless there's like an enemy that I really don't like, like the brutes or the the sword guys. So a lot of times I'll just not use it for takedowns, and I'm primarily using it to just keep my health up because I'm a bit of a sloppy fighter. Uh, let's talk enemy variety. So there are there's some faction exclusive enemies sometimes, but a lot of times those quote exclusive enemies do end up in other factions as well over time. So it, it it's a, it's a a problem that seems to plague all of the Spider-Man games is a bit of a lack of enemy variety. Like yeah, there's a nice variety overall technically, but each faction doesn't feel all that unique because almost all of the factions have the same enemy types. So it's pretty much just reskins. Though they do introduce some enemies down the line, like the sword guy, which is pretty much like an advanced version of the baton guy, or the base, basic melee guy. Um, but he gets even more annoying. And then there's the whip guy that first appears in the demons, but then also is part of the criminals, like the general like as prisoners, escaped prisoners uh, faction, which uh, also has like chain whip things and can pretty much do exactly the same thing as the demon version. It's eh. like again, I just wish that it's something that I pointed out in this while I was doing the streams. Is like in later games, like Spider Man Two, for example. There's enemy types that definitely should be locked to certain factions. Because it makes sense for for those factions to have that enemy type, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for some of the other ones to also have that enemy type that does almost exactly the same thing as the other one. In fact, I'm willing to say Spider-Man 2 technically has less enemy variety than uh, Spider-Man 1, even though it introduces newer types of enemies. <laughs> It's just that each faction is literally a reskin of the previous ones with maybe some minor ability upgrades here or there. It's rough, the enemy variety. But overall, it's okay. Usually, sadly, the enemies just come down to you can't do this specific thing on this enemy. So you'll have, like, the shield guy. You can't just straight up attack the shield guy. You have to do, like, bop, bop, and then slide under if it works most of the time. Sometimes it just doesn't. It's just like, <laughs> you'll, you'll go bop, bop, and go to slide under, and then nothing will happen, and then they'll shield bash you, and you go, ah. So, yes. Dodging sometimes doesn't work. Like, you'll go, you'll be like, dodge, and then you'll still get hit. Or you'll dodge straight into their hit. Like, it... Inconsistency all around sometimes on whether or not something works in the heat of battle. It gets very frustrating on higher difficulties, but on the lower difficulties, it's fine. Because on higher difficulties, the the challenge, the difficulty is just that enemies work exactly the same, but one punch will take out half your health. So, to have fun with that. <laughs> so, like, when you end up in an inevitable uh, combo move, where, say, for example... One of the heavy guys, like the, the big ones, they hit you, and then they follow up with another hit, and then another hit. 
and if you fuck up your dodge once, you're just getting repeatedly punched until you die. So, yeah, that that's not great. The graphics are good in both versions. Like, like the graphics are really nice in the remastered version, but they're also really good in the original. I did run into some technical issues on the PS4 version, like, on original hardware. Like, because the PS4 that I have is, like... Technically, like, a Gen 1 PS4. Like, pretty much what they got at the beginning of the the generation. Before they came out with the Slim version or the Pro version. So, I, I had original. And near the end of its life, it started dying on me. <laughs> and some of the initial signs of it dying started in Spider-Man, to be honest for me. Uh, where during one scene, the game just crashed. Like, there was an audio desync issue, and then, like, models weren't loading in, and then the game just kind of crashed on me. It was rough. <laughs> but eventually I was able to fix it and then get through. It, it was just like a minor bug, but it was the beginning of a lot of the troubles that I started experiencing with my original PS4. Because, like... It was around that time that it started having a crashing issue issue where my PS4 would completely crash and then like start wiping all the data off of it and I would end up losing hours of game play. Uh, on my Last of Us playthrough, uh, it wiped out like eight hours of progress or something like that. Like I was halfway through the game or more and all that progress gone. Then... <laughs> Then, uh, when I was playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, I was 12 hours in when it crashed and wiped my progress. So I had to replay 12 hours of progress. It was not great. It was not a great time. But, yeah. Like, some of my cloud saves would come back but I would still lose large chunks of progress. It was devastating. <laughs> but that that's kind of beside the point. It not, doesn't really have much to do with Spider-Man, <laughs> to be honest. But I think, yeah, overall, I do highly recommend playing the game. I mean, hell, I've played it three times, getting ready to play it for a fourth. So, yeah, I, I recommend it. It's good. Most people would say it's good. As for what you play it on, I would, I would recommend playing it on a PlayStation, to be honest. Be it the PS4 or the PS5. Because it becomes a bit variable as to hardware with computers, personally. Because, you know, not everyone has the same hardware. At least you know it will run on a PS4 slash PS5. Uh, remastered versus um, the original version, I guess... I don't know if you can buy the remastered version, actually. I think they officially released it. I know that technically that version is what they released on uh, on PC. So I think they did officially release it, so I guess go for the remastered version if you can get it. Um, but yeah, overall, it's, it's a good game. I've platinumed it twice, so it's definitely a fun platinum, though it can be a bit tedious, especially this game, the... Trying to get all the crimes is super annoying because you have to like swing around constantly, waiting for the 
for the crime to show up in the area. And you have to pretty much just keep like scanning to see if the crime will pop up while swinging around. In a, you're constantly scanning, hoping for the crime to come up while swinging around in a circle. It's rough. But, yeah. I think with that said, though, we will call it there for today. If you guys liked this episode, feel free to give it a like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening to it on YouTube. Or, if you're listening to it on any podcast catcher of your choice, then feel free to share it around. Uh, share it with your family, friends, whoever. So get Spread the love. Uh, and review it if you'd like. Um, and with that, I think that's it. Next week, fingers crossed, I'm I'm going to try to talk about Final Fantasy VII. Uh, it, it's going to be a thing, hopefully. So look forward to that. I'm setting it in stone and I'm going to, I'm going to try to finish the final boss this week. And then we'll talk about it, and it'll be a good time. <laughs> Me trying to remember the story of Final Fantasy VII. Anyway, once again, thank you guys so much for listening. I will talk to you guys next time. Goodbye.